0: called radio hello hello hello
1: hello hello it's our First show of the year. You are listening to Oral Ingus with Timber Dalton on Blog Talk Radio. Intelligent but dirty. Welcome to my first show of the year. It is Sunday, January 2nd. Um, yeah, that's right. January 2nd. <laughs> uh, still recovering from New Year's. Well, not New Year's Eve, just New Year's in general. Just uh, I'm also trying to multitask with the chat room here. Lisa's writing, ooh, I read an ebook where the bad guy got beat up and someone made him wear underwear of duct tape. Do you think that would hurt? Well, only if it was the sticky side in and he hadn't had a Brazilian lately. Yeah, <laughs> Jillian just said that Vince will be with or not. <laughs> Ouch. Um, that's a way to start the show. For those of you who are listening after the fact, there is a live chat room that pops up uh, during the show. And I'm usually back and forth with my chat peeps. Hey, chat peeps. I see Dorian and Jennifer and Jillian and John and John who's actually my husband. Lisa and Michael and Sherry and a couple of guests. Hello, hello, hello. Those of you in the chat room, remember that you're actually listening to a slight time delay because of the software. It's I think five to seven second time delay. So and you can call in uh Area Code three one oh eight six one two three four eight or you can shoot me an email at timberdalton at gmail dot com. That's Timber with a Y, T Y M B E R Dalton at Gmail dot com. Um so let's see. New Year's New Year's how was your Christmas? We uh hubby and I spent at home, you know, pretty quiet watching the dogs destroy their gifts. We bought a couple of those pet smart uh little cheapy uh um gift stockings where you get like six toys for five bucks and they were half off and we throw them out there. And then of course I got a couple of good ones like the Kongs and stuff. And we watched them sit there and destroy them all in about five minutes. Left. But actually they got a few still left. There's a ton of them all spread out all over the floor and stuff. So, so they're enjoying their, little, their little goodies. And I got hubby and I are working through a uh, five pound basket of bloomer star chocolate, assorted chocolate candy, which means that, uh, one of my New Year's resolutions is to spend more time on the elliptical machine now that my ankle is starting to finally heal up a little bit from when I strained it back in October. Um, I'm getting a little brought across the beam for New Year's so far. Let's see. T- 2010, you know, you, at the New Year, you always uh, do the resolutions and stuff. And, and you know, frankly, I'd, I've gotten done making resolutions. I mean, I'd, you know, oh, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, because let's be honest, you don't make the goal and then you feel like a failure. So I'm like, you know, I am going to promise not to overachieve this year. That's my resolution for myself. And I think I should be able to make that one quite easily. Um, Especially uh, considering how 2010 was for us. I mean, we, two of our dogs died within six weeks of each other that we'd had for over 10 years. And our our oldest girl, Tessa, who was 16 and Holly, who was, who was 12. And so that was kind of hard. And I was diagnosed with fibro. Um, you know, but we had some good things happen. I mean, I had a couple more books come out, and uh, Hubby and I finally got to go on our first vacation in our, you know, 13 years of marriage. So that was pretty cool. Um, got uh oh, oh I, I my, my highlight of, of New Year's Eve, the last thing – one of the last things I did right before the clock turned to the new year was I actually got my navel pierced which was interesting and then that was a first for me having my navel pierced and then um, another first for me is I almost fainted during the process which was really odd because I don't usually faint and it didn't hurt that bad but uh thanks Dorian yeah in the chat room thank you about that Dorian yeah we it, that was back in April and that's actually uh acquainted with the night that came out this year I kind of wrote that about that 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 kind of forms that but yeah, that was hard, but it's nice that we... Uh, no, Julian. I'm not sending in pics of my navel right now. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was interesting, almost fainting. That was that was interesting, but uh, the friend was doing it. In a, we, we were in a big bathroom, and it, at a house, I mean, it was clean. It was not like a, a public restroom or something. I mean, he's done a lot of piercing before and had the lights on and everything. It was just very hot, and there were several of us in there, and it, all of a sudden, I was like, ooh, I don't feel too good, and uh, I nearly, nearly... I said, yes yes I got to meet Dorian in person that was cool that was very very cool um Dorian and I got to have dinner together she took me and heavy dinner I got to meet her and her Heavy and and that was absolutely wonderful that was fun um do, 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 do. so oh I'm big into crochet right now doing a whole bunch of crochet projects and uh Jillian I have pictures of man trains well then send them to me I'd like to see them um <laughs> doing a lot of crochet projects um finished a couple of them so far which is actually pretty good for me um with the fiber and everything i get cold real easy so i'm making myself a bunch of fast uh berets and matching little scarves and matching um fingerless gloves keep myself warm with these freaky weather we've been having i spent a good chunk of last weekend that we had some hideously cold weather down here in florida we actually had frosting and hard freezes so guess what when your 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 produce prices start going up here in the next couple of weeks that's because it froze here in florida in southwest florida um <laughs> so yeah that's that's what happened but anyway so uh, enough of rambling again if you want to call in you can 310-861-2348 tonight I'm going to talk about self-publishing versus independent publishing or traditional publishing even uh, to start with a lot of people don't understand how hard it is to get a book published traditionally uh, it's not that it's not that they're not taking new writers. The problem is publishing has really had a downturn in a lot of ways because they had some pretty unprofitable, when you look at them at the bottom line business practices for many years, which centered around their return policies for print books and their late-coming embracing of e-books. So their bottom lines really got hurt, and they spend a lot of money on co-op dollars on their top A-listers, so a lot of mid-listers. Get kind of you know pushed out of the way. They don't get a lot of money on them. So a lot of there's a lot of independent publishers out there. A lot of small publishers. Some do ebooks only. Some do ebooks and print on demand. Um, a few do traditional print, but not so many. Um, uh, Eo oh, Jillian, uh, email me at the timberdalton at uh, gmail dot com account. That's fine. Uh, sorry again. I'm bouncing back and forth between the chat room and live. Um, so you know a, a lot of writers though they have this. This thing in their mind, this, this this picture of the traditionally published author, you send in your manuscript, you get accepted, you go through the editing process, you, you have your book contract, you have this book in your hand, you get a book. The problem is, you might go a couple of years before you get that book in your hand, and yeah, you might get an advance. Uh, you're not going to get a six-figure advance, most likely, you know very very rarely does that ever happen and usually you have to be a well established well producing author before you ever get anything close to that i heard a figure last week i think it was the average going now advance that that the average author will see is around 5 grand 5 to 10 grand you know some authors might get more than that depending on the book and the publishing house well here's the thing you'll get that 5 grand advance say so let's say 5 grand i'm pulling that number out of my ass and then you don't earn royalties again until you have, your book has earned out that $5,000 advance. Now you're thinking, oh, well, that won't take long. Well, okay, now if you're getting, say, 6% of cover, if that, if you're lucky to get 6% of cover, it's going to take a while. That's going to have to be a lot of, of copies sold. Whereas with independent publishing, most of the time you start earning royalties from day one that that book is sold. Now then, you don't have to wait a couple of years to get your royalty payments. You either get paid monthly by some houses or quarterly, which is pretty standard now. But you're going to start seeing royalties pretty quick. The hottest fields right now in independent publishing, of course, are romance and erotica. Those are usually one of the front runners as far as sales goes. Now, a lot of people go, well, I don't want to publish with a little independent publisher. I want my book, you know, published with a real publisher. Here's the thing. Regardless of whether you publish your book with a traditional publisher or an independent publisher, it's still a real book. And guess what? It's still real money. I have yet to have my mortgage company turn to me and go, we're not accepting your payment because you're not a... Real writer, you know, and guess what? Most of my books are available in print. Yes, it's print on demand. So the thing is, though, they're still in print. I still have them sitting on my bookshelf, you know. I can show people what I, well, people that are open minded and don't mind me writing, you know, male, male, female menage and things like that. I can show them my books. Oh, thanks, Jillian, for that email. I appreciate it. Um, So, you know, it, it is real publishing. The thing is, are you going to sit there and fight years and years and years to try to get your manuscript published and maybe have very little return for your investment? Or are you going to try to pursue a route that's going to hopefully get you published sooner, get you a foot in the door, get you a backlist built, earn you some money? Average time from, submit, you know, from acceptance contracted to finish release on a book is, is a year or less. Um, it's not uncommon for it to run a little over a year. It's not uncommon in some cases, depending on the length of the story and how well staffed the house is, for it to be a couple of months. It can vary. And also, of course, the length of the book and how much editing is required. depends on the backlist of the house. So you've got a manuscript sitting in your computer or in your drawer or whatever that's languishing. Do you want it published now and earning you money? Or do you want to wait for a real publishing contract? So... As people are, are still going, well, I like real books. I like the smell of real books. That's fine. This is an argument I'm not going to rehash right now. But, you know, e-books are coming. Real books are not going to go off the chart period. There's there's almost always going to be real books. As long as there's paper, there's going to be real books, dead tree books. But think about it this way. E-books are much more economically sound. I mean, ecologically sound, excuse me. Fiber of fog moment there. They're ecologically sound. Um You know, you don't have distribution costs. You don't have trees being cut down. You don't have transportation costs. You don't have trucks running these books over the road, you know, contributing pollution and eating up, you know, uh, uh, gas and stuff. You know, you've got a digital file that's very easy to reproduce and very easy to send out. And it doesn't have to be warehoused. The overhead is a lot lower. So these independent companies are able to sell, say, a 100,000-word book that you might have to pay, you know, 12 bucks, or anyway, in paperback or you know twenty-five or up in hardcover for six or seven bucks or less, depending on the house. So you know, it they're going to be able to sell a lot more books and pay you more money. The average royalty rate for for what I get from my publishers for books that sell, eBooks that sell directly through their site, I make fifty percent of selling price versus. You know, three to six percent of net of you know what a traditionally published writer makes off of a cover price on a print book. It's a lot of difference right there. That's a lot fewer books I got to sell to make my mortgage every month. Um, writer chick is asking in the chat room, how do you know which ebook publishers are good and which ones to avoid? Yeah, Michael said AbsoluteWrite.com is a good one. Um, that's a good site to go to, and also Piers Anthony. If you Google him, the writer Piers Anthony um he's got yes the pierce anthony he's got a uh thing on his website about good and bad independent publishers um there's also the um let's see it's absolute right there's um editors and predators is another good site they're not always super up to date with the most current stuff but they're pretty good um but definitely absolute right's a great place to start um, in that you go into the, the into the discussion forums, which is also called the water cooler, and they have a whole thread set up on, on literary agents and publishing houses. Okay, so independent publishers, small publishers, they will pay you. Now, the thing is, yes, I know some writers say, okay, well, that's fine, but I only write X and I haven't made much money. Yes. That's a downside, but think of it this way. If you're only making X there. The chances are you wouldn't have made anything with a quote-unquote traditional publisher because they might not have bought your book anyway because it might be something that they don't feel they can sell. So at least you're out there. Your name is out there. Every book you write that you publish that you add to your backlist is going to boost your sales a little bit. It might take a while. The racier stuff you write is going to sell. Now, I know not everybody likes to write racy stuff, and that's fine. That means you have to write strong stories, compelling characters, realistic characters, realistic dialogue. You need to put a lot of thought and effort into your story. You need to do the work. You don't just sit down and go, oh, I got a story, and write it. Boom, you're done. You need to put some work in as a writer. You need to go back to some of the basics as a writer, to the building blocks of your career, to basic writing 101. Look into the, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, the, um, Oh, I think it's Joseph Vogler is the author, the the writer's journey, of, um, and he actually takes the work of Joseph Campbell in the myth building and applies it. You need you know you need to learn that kind of stuff that makes a, a okay story into a great story. You need to not have the same cardboard cliched characters and the cardboard cliched villains. You need to have that realism that's going to pull a writer a, a reader in and make them want to read you, you know, and that's what you're going to have to do if you're not writing racy, you know, if you're not writing, you know, male, male stuff, male, male stuff is super hot right now. Uh, BDSM is, is pretty hot. Uh, Paranormal is always hot. Um, There's different genres of paranormal that kind of fluctuate, whether it's shapeshifters, vampires, zombies, I see a lot of zombie stuff right now, which I haven't read any of it yet. And I need to, because I'm still wondering, okay, how do you work that? Uh, That sounds pretty interesting. How do you work a zombie in there? Um, There's a lot of people that want to self-publish. I want my books out now, or I've submitted to a couple of places, and I keep getting those, so I want to get it published. Okay, here's the thing. If you are writing fiction, especially if you are writing fiction in a genre that is flooded, I strongly recommend you do not do this if you are not already a well-established author. And here's why for a bunch of different reasons. One, you have to have the ability to self-edit or pay a good editor to edit you. I'm not talking you go through it one time on the computer and boom, it's out the door. I'm talking you need to spend a couple of months printing this thing out and redlining paper copies having other people go through it for you multiple times to work this thing out. You don't just go one edit, boom, out the door. You cannot do that. I've seen a lot of people that think they can do that. And I've seen a lot of poorly written self published fiction. And the thing is, some of it could be good, except they didn't know their theirs from their theirs and their twos from their twos and they wrote then instead of then and just tons. Of errors like that that make you go, this person is not serious about writing because they screwed up. Yes, you will have, you know, the occasional screw up edit in any kind of even even the big publishing houses. I've picked up books out of Barnes and Nobles or Books a Million, and you know, every once in a while there's going to be a typo. You, it's almost impossible to eliminate all typos because even though you think you've edited them all out, sometimes when you're editing, you accidentally edit errors in. It's unavoidable. However, when you get horrible, bad grammar and you think you're doing okay, the problem is you know you might surround yourself. Your mom might go, oh, this is great. Your sister might say, oh, this is great. Your hubby goes, oh, this is great. Well, you know what? They might be telling you it's great. Yeah, it might be great, but your grammar might suck and they might not know their twos and twos and its and its and theirs and theirs also. And when you publish it, you're going to wonder why people are giving you bad reviews on Amazon.com. And saying you can't write. Well, everybody else thought it was a good story. Well, yeah, it might have been, except you screwed up, you know, because you were too anxious. Now, then, that said, self-publishing is great for a couple of things. It's great for nonfiction, especially extremely niche writing. I made a living for a couple of years self-publishing nonfiction. I was publishing software tutorials for embroidery digitizing for palette PE design. Generations, for Origins, for Embroidery Magic, and um, there's another one I did, too. I, I did that because at the time, there were very few people doing that, and I was actually teaching the classes live at a store, and all my customers, who most of them were, were older, were going, I wish I could take you home with me. I wish you could write a book. Well, I wrote a book, and I wrote another one, and I kept writing them, and basically, it was, I was writing the material I used to teach my classes and selling them, so I would do that. I did some for Zencart, uh, I did a couple others. And I made a living doing that. You know, it wasn't a super-duper Stephen King living by any stretch of the imagination, but it allowed me to work at home and not have to go out and get a secondary job and help, you know, supplement my husband's income. So that was great. And then eventually, and I also did other things. I did journalism. I wrote articles. um, I did newspaper freelancing. So I've done editing. I have had a lot of experience. I have had 25 years of writing-related career behind me. So I got a lot there, just saying. Uh, you know, if you if you're an avid reader and you decide, oh, I'm going to write a book, and you've never written a book before, guess what? You really need to run it through the ringer before you decide. Oh, I'm just going to throw it up on Amazon.com. You're not going. Oh yeah, that's the bird. Yeah, I have the <laughs> I got the bird. Sorry, AJ. I got the bird going in the in the the uh, washing machine going there. Yeah, this is live radio, and my bird for some reason is not shutting up. Margarita, go to bed. Yeah, now she's mad at me. Uh, the birds mad at me. Um, so anyway, that I'm in my bouncy chair. I got a bouncy chair for uh, one of these bounce ball chairs for me for my back and and ho- hopefully to help with my fibro pain. And I'm, I'm sitting here bouncing on it, so I'm making some noise with that too. Um, <laughs> so back to back to what I was saying. Um, nonfiction. That's a perfect venue for self-publishing. I publish all my tutorials on my own website and through lulu.com for print versions. And, you know, that's great. You know, and again, I had the ability to self-edit. You know, and I had my husband who also has a lot of editing experience professionally. He, he, for several years, was an editor at a daily newspaper. And before that, he spent several years as the editor-in-chief of a, you know, of a, a biweekly news magazine. So, I mean, he's got a lot of editing experience. Now with fiction, while it is tempting as is, is a new writer to go, okay, I'm gonna go on Amazon and put this up and self publish, I don't recommend it. For the reasons I've stated. Also, promotion. You are unknown. You are a wash in a sea of literally millions of other books out there. Not just from Amazon, but of independent publishers and other resources. Who's gonna find you? Who's gonna see you? You can self-promote all you want to, however, you have to self-promote the right way. So I see a lot of people on Amazon, a lot of new authors, they go up onto you know the website and they go, oh, read my book, read my book, read my book. Well, they put it in these threads where somebody's asking about Highlander stories and they might have a futuristic sci-fi romance. Oh, you might like my book. Well, no, they won't because they're looking for a Highlander romance. you know. And it's very important to be part of a... Publishing house because when your book is on their site, people might not be looking for your book, but they might stumble across your book while they're looking for somebody else that they're looking for. So your promotional efforts are multiplied by the promotional efforts, hopefully, of the other authors on that site to draw readers to that site. That's not guaranteed that's going to get you more readers, but at least it helps get you more exposure. Some publishers pay for advertising. I'm lucky that one of my publishers, they don't ask us for any co-op money for advertising and all. They do two full, they're up to two full pages every month now in the RT reviews every month. Um, so it, you know, that's good. Yeah. And, and on the chat room, they're also talking about fact checking. Um, yeah. AJ, yeah, if you take that bouncy ball and build a large pet square around it. Yeah, actually I've got, I've got the, uh, I'm, I've got the bouncy ball in the chair frame right now, but I'm bouncing. I think my necklace is, is jingling. Um, <laughs> And uh, my little Christmas necklace here. And, um, you know, fact-checking is very important because you're going to have editors that hopefully will catch stuff that you miss. Because you might throw something in there. You might misspell something and not realize it, you know, a proper name, you know, or something. And the editor will hopefully catch that versus because that's one of the things they hopefully will do if they're doing their job properly. And you might not ever realize it. You know, you might not realize that you made a mistake. The other thing is that when you're a writer and you're writing, there's a lot of times where you might write something and in your brain, you know what's going on in those characters' heads. You know the backstory. You know everything by heart. Well, how you necessarily put it on the page doesn't mean that the reader is going to read it the same way you read it. Everybody is different. You might be somebody that says, okay, I get it. But nine times out of ten, if you're leaving a few things out, but you made that connection in your brain and it didn't make it on the paper, you're going to miss that because in your brain you know it and you just kind of have page blindness and skip over it. Well, an editor is the person that you're going to sit there and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What what the heck just happened here? And when you got a publishing house behind you, hopefully they're going to catch stuff like that, and that's going to improve your writing. Now then, when is self-publishing a good idea for fiction? I do not recommend it, obviously, if you're a new writer and never published before. If you have a considerable backlist with an independent publisher and you've got a proven track record, go for it. If you've got a backlist, if you've got a a built-up reader base, a fan base that you can advertise for, go for it. You can always, you know test fly stuff. You can say, okay, well, I'm thinking about writing in this genre and it's not my usual genre. Mm, let me see. You know, my publisher doesn't necessarily handle this, but okay. So, you know, say say you normally, okay, bye, Jennifer. See you later. She's in the chat room. Bye, Jennifer. She has to leave. Um, You know, it, say, say you normally you write, you know, racy stuff, but you have an idea for a young adult book. Well, maybe that's the time then you say, okay, go to your readers and you say, look, I've I've written this and I don't have really a normal market for it, but I wanted to, you know, write it and put it out there. And, you know, if you make some sales from it, then all that money is yours. And on Amazon right now, depending on which – on Kindle and which program you go through, you can make up to 70% of the royalty rate, depending on how much the book costs and where it sells and everything. You know, you can – Make some decent money that way if you have the sales, you know, and then you're cutting out the middleman. But, again, you need to have those other things behind you. You need to be an experienced writer that knows how to write, can get the editing handled, you need cover art, you need to be able to do the promotion, you know, you need to make sure you've got a good product and you can't just write something and two days later throw it up on Amazon and say, okay, I'm going to publish this. You can't do that. Now, people do do that and then they wonder why they get, okay, well, I made some sales, but I'm starting to get bad reviews. Well, that's because you put up a piece of crap. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest here. I've read some really bad crap. I have downloaded, you know, the the free Kindle previews on on some things where the premise looks great. You know, and and if you can't even write, you have to also be able to write compelling blurb copy. Now, I know very few writers who either, A, enjoy writing their, their cover copy, or, B, consider themselves good at it. You know, I'm not saying they're not good at it. I'm just saying I've heard a lot of writers saying I suck at writing, you know, cover copy. So if you think you suck at it, well, then how are you going to write something good and compelling with a hook that's going to pull a reader in and make them want to buy your book over the, the literally millions of other books on Amazon.com or other places? I'm, I'm using Amazon as, you know, as an example. There's, you know, Barnes and Nobles, all romance ebooks. books uh, you know, the independent, you know, Publishers themselves, you're competing with a huge market out there, and you're competing with a lot of people out there. So you need to be able to, to put good cover art, not crappy, awful Photoshop cover art on there. Um, Let's see, Tower Painter in the uh, in the chat room. What do you do if your book is only of local, statewide interest? Okay, uh, that depends. Now that depends if your book is, you know, fiction or nonfiction, if it's nonfiction, sure, go for it with self-publishing because that might actually be a good way to get into local bookstores. There's like our local, you know, Barnes and Nobles and, and Books and Millions and stuff. And, they, and of course, the, the independent bookstops, they always have, you know, local interest books, you know, both fiction and nonfiction. And I do see quite a few small press and self-pub books in there, especially in the nonfiction. Now, that's pretty good, but you need to have good cover art. You need to have good, you know, back cover copy, blurb copy. Um, it needs to be edited. It needs to be, you know, proofread within an inch of its life. And, and, sure, you know, you can put it on Lulu.com and do it as a download and do it as a, you know, as a print and then do it on Amazon and stuff. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm on the line. Oh, no, I didn't know you were on there, Michael. Hold on. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Hold on. I have a caller. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Michael. Hold on. Let's see. Okay. All right, caller. You there, Michael?
0: Yes, I'm here, though. How are you doing? I, was,
1: I wasn't. I didn't even see. I'm running the switch for myself. I didn't know you were there <laughs> until you p.m.
0: No, um, right? um, that is absolutely fine. I thought your husband was um, on the line. You know, kind of like getting you back. But you know, I guess that's something you need to beat him about. Then okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I actually gave him the night off, but I was focusing on the chat room. Sorry. <laughs>
0: Oh no, that's, that's absolutely fine, darling. No, uh I just called up that you know, uh, Michelle and I were sitting up and we were talking about it and um one of the questions and I thought it was brought up in one of the um other chat rooms is that um when you're doing all the edits and me personally I'm the person that's like especially in my job, if I see that infamous red pin come out, I I cringe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know that you're going to, everything's just going to be marked up and it's just going to be, it's going to be like blood splattered There's so many red lines all over the place. How do you stay engaged? I mean, how do you, you know, look, how do you see that light at the end of the tunnel? You know, especially with especially with me because I'm a very impatient person. And when I put something down on paper, I think it's the best thing since razor blades. So... <laughs> I mean, how do you stay engaged, especially when that infamous red pen comes out?
1: Well, let me let me backtrack for just a second. And when I look at stuff that some of my first books that came out, I like them, but there's parts of them I'll look at and go, Holy crap, I can't believe I did that. I learn from every I look at every edit as a I don't I don't cringe when I get my edits anymore. I look at every edit as a learning process. I learn so much from every edit and even every round of edits within a single book and you learn what to look for, because every writer, it's like a poker player, every writer has tells, whether it's they use a word over and over again, or they, you know, they flip POVs when it's not appropriate, or they do, or multiple things, you know, all of the above. It just depends. Every writer will have something that they do, and you weed it out, and then you'll find something else, and you weed it out, and you find something else, but but you have to put yourself in the frame of mind that it, the edit process is just a, it's an edit process and it's a learning process. And you're taking that, you know, that big hunk of tree stump that you just carved out with a chainsaw and now you're taking a very fine chisel to it and you're smoothing it out and you're taking the sandpaper to it so that you've got a very detailed, you know, you want that detailed piece of art versus something that looks like it's been hacked out with a chainsaw. I mean, that's the difference, and that's what you have to focus on. I'm a very impatient person, too. I want it out, and I want it out now. And I've I've had to learn that, you know, I I put out a better product. And that's what you have to keep in mind. You want the best product out there that you're personally going to be proud of. And that means sometimes we have to sit on our hands and, and, you know, chew on our nails and sit there and just be patient for it. And it it sucks. It really does. I mean, I'm not denying that it sucks that you just – you have to remember that it's all part of the process. It's like you can't, you know, you you can't just rush it because it's not going to be right. Because if you put it out there and it's not right, you're going to feel even worse when you think, ah, crap, I missed that, when it's something that you should have caught, you know. So right. so that's that's what you have to do. You just have to keep that final product. You have to keep that final goal in mind and try to focus on that versus focusing on how long it's actually taking to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: I mean, you know, it's kind of a funny story, and I'm not going to bash on the author, author so I'm not going to put that person's name out. But um, Michelle picked up this particular author, and she was looking at something else. And when she picked up this author's uh, book on Amazon, she thought that, oh, wow, this author is actually really good. I mean, I like the premise. I like the way it's going, blah, 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 blah. And she started reading it, and it was just littered with, Selling errors, mm-hmm. the plot bounced all over the place, and I laughed at Michelle. I'm kind of like, you know, why did you buy this book? And she was like, well, it looked good. Right. And, and the reviews, they just slaughtered her. Uh-huh. And, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Michelle, sometimes she's like, oh, yeah, I, I remember this guy. Oh, <laughs> And So So to me, I mean, even though, well, for my, my job perspective, well, um, let's see, my job, uh, military information support operations, which is pretty much psychological operations. Mm-hmm. And we are taught early on in that job that you have to have a thick skin and everything mm-hmm. you can do. Yeah. Because you may think you may have the product to end the war. All you have to do is just get it out there and everybody will stop and everybody will listen to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, it's that infamous red paint, design just just gets exiled hell. Oh, so, yeah. I'm, and I would sit up here, and I'm like, wow, that was, like, really stunning that this woman put herself out there like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just incredible to me.
1: And so, I, I've seen a lot of writers, a lot of newbie writers, especially ones who've never been through... A, a solid critiquing process before. And I've done, I, I should also back up and say, I, I went to the, the Internet Writing Workshop. It's internetwritingworkshop.org, and they're free. And I've been, I over the space of 10 years or so, I was a member several times there. And I sent several of my books through the Novel Zell. Um, it's an email list, and you submit like a chapter at a time or so, and other people critique it. And I, I always tell newbie writers, go there. And you're going to do two things. After the first round of critiques, you're going to realize you're not nearly as good a writer as you thought you were. (laughs) And after, and after three months, you are going to be a much better writer than you ever thought you would be. And it's not just because people critique your own writing because not every critique you receive is going to be valid because some of it is subjective. However, To me, the benefit is not just seeing what people critique that you missed, but it's also seeing how other people critique, because you also critique other people's work. And that's part of it to me. It's to see how other people critique other people's work and go, okay, well, I didn't look at it that way, or yeah, that's something I missed. And so you learn about the editing process by seeing what other people do. It's not just what you pick up and do. It's what other people pick up and do with other people. So that that kind of takes some of the emotional element out of it as well. And um, a tower painter in the chat room um, just said, "I guess I got to find someone to proofread my work." Go to internetwritingworkshop.org. They also have a um, they have a nonfiction workshop as well that's all free, so you can go there. That's a great place to go. Um, but yeah, it's it, you know it, that's a great place to start. And I learned a lot there. And when it comes to like reviews and stuff, the first time I got a bad review. Um, I realize I'm like, hey, I'm a real writer now. I got a bad review. And it sucks to get bad reviews. I'm not saying it doesn't. But, you know, to me, it's like I always tell writers, you know, when you get your first, just look forward to getting your first bad review and laugh it off. Yes, you got to have thick skin about it. Because the thing is, if you put a book out there that you're proud of, that you're happy with, that other people have rated you positively on, your, your publisher obviously has faith in you. Then, you know, yeah, you have to have a thick skin. Not everybody's going to like what you write. I can have a thousand positive reviews and a negative review. I mean, and some people are going to genuinely not like what you write, and some people are just going to be stupid and not read the blurb copy and go. Like I had somebody review one of my books, going, "Well, I like, you know, menages, but I don't like all this BDSM stuff." Well, on the back blurb cover, it actually it said this book contains da 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 da. I mean, it had a whole laundry list of what the book contains. So obviously, they didn't read before they bought the book, you know, that kind of stuff. So you know, you're not going to please everybody. So yeah, you do have to have mm-hmm. thick skin, but it's all a learning process and it's all good. It's all part of the growth process of being a writer. So it's it's oh, yeah. it's just what you gotta go through.
0: <laughs> oh okay, because one of the things that one um I forget, I think it was either you or another author that um Michelle and I we follow some, periodically. Um mm-hmm. this person would come on there and just land based the um the book often in in its entirety. And would do that consistently. It was like they would follow the author, all just through the entire series of books and just like wreck them for no better reason. Now, when somebody does that, I mean, so, I mean, granted, with me, it's all about a thick skin. I have to have a thick skin. There's, mm-hmm. you know, I've got gotten that over, you know, years and years of getting my ass kicked. But <laughs> two people who are um dabbling in this and one makes his career, should they let that one person you know dictate how they want to run their business, how they want to run their writing if they're all if this one person consistently follows them and just wrecks them in the reviews
1: mhm
0: i mean should, well, should that one should i mean should they let that one person dictate how they want to write?
1: No, they shouldn't because you need to write you have to write first for yourself if you're not happy with the book you're writing, then it's kind of pointless to write it. And then B, you, when you focus on that, the people that like what you're writing and like the style of writing that you do are going to follow you. Not everybody, li- I mean, I've got some people that love my menage stuff, but they don't want to read my Tamer stuff. I have some people that love my menage stuff, but don't want the BDSM. I have some people that love BDSM, but they don't want to read, you know, the other stuff. So some people love my, you know, male, female stuff. They don't want to read anything with the gay elements in it. So it's, it, right. you're not going to please everybody so basically you just write the stories for you first of all because you have to be if you're not engaged in your story as the writer it's going to show in the work it really is and it's not going to be a good product and the reader is you're not going to sell it to the reader basically as far as selling the story itself you know as they're reading it they're not going to be caught up in it cuz you need to be caught up in the story that you're writing and the problem is that you know, a lot of writers go, Oh my God, I need to write this, 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 and this. No, you need to write for you. You need to write what makes you have. Now, that's different from saying, Well, okay, you know, grammar, basic fundamental issues like that, and having plot flaws and inappropriate, you know, point of view shifts and things like that. That's different now. The, the story itself, that's, we're talking, you need to have, you know, a structurally, fundamentally sound book. But, you know, you need to write a book that overall you're happy with. You know Uh what I'm saying? You you see what I'm saying about that? I mean, because I've seen some newbie writers that go, oh, I don't want to change a word of it. It's perfect. Well, no, it's not. (laughs) 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 It really is crap. You know, it's a good premise. It's a good start. And it's a good. But you need to, you know, tidy it up. And, I mean, I'm the first to admit, I I love my editors. I mean, I've had a couple Mm -hmm. of who I would call not bad editors, but, Incompetent editors, and there's been a couple of times where I've stood my ground against an editor, and I said, "Look, I don't agree with this change. You know, it was was not a it was not a grammatical change. It was, you know, it's like a what they call a syntactical change. It was it was about you know a storyline issue. I'm like, no, my beta readers loved it, so I'm going to stand by it. And I was proven right by you know reader response later. But, you know, you can't. You need to pick and choose. It's like you know when you're a parent, you got to pick and choose your battles. You know, you know that very well. Well, as a writer. A newbie writer, you got to pick and choose your your battles too, because there's some things that really, you know, as a writer, you're probably wrong on, you know, and and mm-hmm. there's and there's me, sometimes you got to listen to to the to the editor. So yeah,
0: yeah. And to me, I guess that would just be one of the major things that I would have a hang up with. you know, like I said, with the thick skin there thing, if I feel that I'm right about a particular thing, even though someone who's been in the business for a little bit who is, like, looking me in the face and they're telling me, Michael, this is not right, this doesn't meld, this doesn't go, I will fight them to the death because I think I'm right. So Mm -hmm. in regards to that, when is a good time for the writer to, let's see, how can I put this succinctly, um, to shut the hell up and do what he's told?
1: Well, that's kind of a hard thing to learn sometimes because there was a few times at first, the beginning, I was like, I don't want to change that, but I, I knew I had to, so I just put on my big girl panties and did the change, and the editor was right. But then again, like I said, there was you know some story issues that I really felt that I needed to hold my ground on, and I was like – and I and I actually wrote the publisher, and I'm like, look, I'm not trying to come off as a diva, I swear, but I just – I really – I hate to do this, but I don't agree with the editor, and – Publishers, like, well, you know, if you feel that way, then stick to your guns. That's okay. But, you know, sometimes you're going to get editors are going to go, nope, 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 has to be changed. That's it. And that's not really a good attitude for an an editor. You need to feel good about an editor. You need to be able to to work with them and go, okay, well, this is why I don't feel it should be changed. And then have a back and forth with them because, you know, you might find out an editor might want to change because they misread something. 'Cause they're humans. You know, they're trying to do a job but they might have rushed something or been distracted. They might have read it or when the way you wrote it might not have come off the way you thought it was going to come off as. So you might need to clarify it a little bit, but it can stay but it just needs to be tweaked. You see what I'm saying? I mean, so it's kinda it there's no there's no clear answer. <laughs> there really isn't because it's all you know, it's all it, it's you know, it depends on the situation.
0: Mm-hmm. So Okay. Well, thank you, darling. I'm going to stop hogging up all this time now. You know, I'm going
1: okay.
0: to enjoy the dulcet sounds of my voice. Oh,
1: yes. <laughs> oh. I always love talking oh, to you. Oh, Stop gagging. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, Doug. I will talk to you later.
1: Okay. Talk right. to you later.
0: Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye.
1: Okay, and that was Michael. He's one of our... Uh, our uh, Frequent callers. I love Michael. Thanks for calling in, sweetie. Um, Sorry I didn't get to you there first. Um, Okay, and on the chat room, I was answering a question. I might have actually answered a question that was meant for somebody else on there. Sorry if that's what I did. Um, (laughs) Anyway, um, let's see. Um, Where are we at? Niche markets. cost. Okay, cost. When you're self-publishing, unless you do it through a forum like lulu.com that does not require money up front if you have to pay for so okay one thing i'm going to say up front um i've heard a lot of people go through this place called publish america i strongly recommend before you do that you go into the absolute right.com discussion forum and look at the threads about them because i've heard a lot of people who are not happy with their experience there okay that said My experience of when I self-published, now keep in mind this was non-fiction, was Lulu.com, both in ebook and print. Um, If you get an ISBN number through them, which is pretty reasonable, you can get a publishing package that gets you an ISBN number registered to you, not to them. Um, You can get your book through distribution channels like Amazon and Martins & Noble. And it does not cost you to get it printed. It only costs you to buy the ISBN number. And, and their little you know, their distribution chains. So like I think it was ninety nine bucks at one point, something like that. That's you know, but you don't you're not forced to buy copies of your books or, or anything. Um now usually you're going to have to um you know do a lot of promotion. And you're not going to get is is cheaper rate. Like if you mass publish books. Now I've had I've had some writers say, "Oh yeah, I had like a thousand of my books printed in, you know with a private you know printing company." I don't recommend you do that. I really don't. Not for uh, not for fiction because that's a very hard sell. You might be stuck with a thousand copies of your books. Here's the thing: if you do sell a non or a, a fiction book rather, if you sell a fiction book yourself, if you self publish, and it starts going really good. I say, first do it through e-format first. Do it through Amazon, Mars and Noble, um, all, all Romance Ebooks dot um, Who also has Omnilit. They now have. Um, they've opened their doors to small publishers and self-published authors. There's a lot of different venues out there. Do it through e-book format first. See how it's going to sell. Test fly it. If it does really good, then look at your print options. You know, especially if you have a lot of people asking for print on it. And I'm not talking two or three, I'm talking, you know, several dozen people looking for print, you know, all at one time, all seeing you've had several hundred sales, you know, ebook format. Then it's it's good to to look into it. Um, you know, but you don't want to invest thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in getting a book self published, a fiction book, because you're most likely as a new author you're not going to get a return on your investment you can get if you're doing a fiction book, you can get cover art for less than 100 bucks unless you're really good with photoshop and can do it yourself and I recommend strongly recommend looking at other covers and seeing good covers and not just throwing something cheesy together. Um or pay somebody to do it that's really good at it. Do the promotion yourself. Um, you know, find out about the different um the different e- email lists like on Yahoo groups and stuff that allow promotions and what days and promote properly. Um you know if you have a, a really niche you know fiction book that you don't think it's going to you know get published through uh, an independent publisher then yeah try self publishing it again if you got a, a backlist that you can do it because I, the thing is i've i've heard so many people they pay a lot of money to get a book published through different companies um <clears throat> I'm, I'm not going to mention company names because I don't want to set myself up for a, a lawsuit because that company is vicious but I mentioned them a little bit ago um just I'm just saying just research uh you know it, it, I've seen a lot of authors do that new authors and you can't really get your investment back as a brand new author you just can't I mean it, in a very few cases, yeah, like the chicken soup for the the soul books, yeah, I mean that was started out small and and but but that's a very different niche. You know, it's not a romance book. Well, you're going to write a, a romance book, okay? Well, how is it different and outstanding from all the other thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of romance books out there? You got to look at that, you know. And as a writer, there's a little bit of narcissism there. But my, my book's the best book out there, and I'm I'm not immune from it either. I mean, all writers do this. Is is a writer? It's kind of part of your makeup to be just a wee bit narcissistic, not in a bad way, in a good way, because you're putting yourself out there. I mean, so there is a little bit there, and you know, you you really got to be careful though, not to let Yourself get caught up in this, and then you get to a point where you've put so much money in, you kind of don't want to turn back or drop it, drop it because you're afraid to lose the money you put into it. So there's so many free and very low cost options out there. If you really feel you have to self-publish and you've met all the other criteria before, then then try something that's not going to cost you a lot of money first. That's not going to break the bank because you don't want to, you know, spend more money than you're going to make. Tower painter in the chat room is asking how much should one expect to spend on nonfiction publishing again. You can do the same thing. You can do you know, e-publishing first if you think there's going to be a niche there for it. But the thing is, with, with with nonfiction, sometimes the people want an actual book in hand, depending on the subject matter and the demographic that you're going after. Um, if you do something like Lulu.com, I mean, it doesn't cost to get a book up there on their website. Is that you order your own copies. You know, if you want copies for yourself, which obviously you do, because a you need to check the proof copies to make sure that they're okay, and you know, b you're going to want one or two for yourself. It doesn't, it literally doesn't cost you anything. Now, if you want to buy a distribution package and ISBN number, yeah. Now, I, I'm only the reason I keep mentioning Lulu.com, and I know some people don't like Lulu. I've used Lulu before, and I've had good luck with them. You know, and I still, even though I don't really actively do new projects with them anymore, I'm still making you know from some of my old nonfiction stuff, I'm still making an average of you know 150 bucks a month from them. And, and you know, so that's, you know, I mean it's not a lot, but for me it's, you know, that that pays a couple of bills every month. So you know, I'm not sneezing at that. Um so you can do different things. You know, and there's other options out there. There's other companies besides Lulu.com. Um you could also approach if you know nonfiction if you if you talk to like any for example, say it's a thing, you know, local history and there's, a, you know, maybe a business that the, the family that runs the business has, a, you know, a lot of, of history in the area. I mean, you might be able to talk to them and say if they'd be willing to, to sponsor for like maybe a mention in the book or something, you know, like, you know, this was, you know, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? God, fiber fog moment here, you know, um, not sponsored by, but um, was you know underwritten by so and so. You know that's an option too. If you need to, if you need to print the copies up front, um, look for local publishing companies too. Now, like in Sarasota, we live south of Sarasota, but there is a a publishing company in Sarasota called Pineapple Press, and they publish a lot of fiction and nonfiction Florida-based books. In fact, I think their whole catalog is is exclusively Florida-based. So, look around in your state, you know, to find out there might be a small publisher that um you know that is interested in your subject matter so you might be able to go a a, a traditionally albeit independently published route you know for for your nonfiction. um you know and it's, there's so many different variables out there it's hard to address everything and we've only got nine minutes left and uh yeah i've been, I've been trying to get through, so, you know the pros and the cons to sum it up for you know self publishing you have to you have to be able to back up what you 're doing you have to be able to edit get good cover art good cover copy um, you know you have to have a good project a uh, product you need to have a reader base you know if you 're going to take that chance so really you should be published first if you want to do that because if it 's very um You know, if it's it's very niche and you don't have an established reader base, you know, you might sell a few copies to friends and families at first, but really, you're you're going to get lost in the masses. You got to do a lot of promotion. Um, Independent publishing, yeah, you're you're more beholden to somebody else because they have house style and house standards. You know, but you do have benefits there. You have benefits of you know, you've got a, a staff behind you, you know, you don't have to put anything out. If you're that's another thing to remember, if you're published with an infinite, if you're published with a legitimate publisher, a non subsidy, non vanity publisher, you pay nothing unless you're buying author copies. You pay nothing. They pay you. The money always flows to the author. If you're self publishing or publishing through a vanity press, then yes, you're gonna have to pay some money. For, for stuff other than author copies. Okay, so there's another difference too. Um yeah, it's gonna take longer. You're you're working on the publisher's time frame if you publish with an independent publisher. Um but again you need to weigh the the pros and the cons for your particulars. If you've got something nonfiction, then yeah, you going you know self publishing is a is a viable option depending on your subject matter, your ability to get it published. Um, you know Your ability to do it right, to do the setup and everything. It's not that hard. There's there's a lot of stuff out there, but you can't rush it. You can't just rush it and say, boom, I'm going to do this, and it's out the door in a week. You cannot do that. You have to take some time to do it. Um, let's see. Let me go through my list. editing uh, niche markets, costs, venues. Uh, there's so many markets out there if you want to self-publish it. I've talked about Lulu.com. There's quite a few others out there. Research before you go the self-publishing route with another company. Make sure you do the research on them first. Look at absoluteright.com. Um, Piers Anthony has some interesting stuff out there, too. I talked about his website. Predators and Editors is another good one. Research the different companies before you commit. You know, Be very careful about signing contracts with some of these vanity and subsidy presses because – if you're locked into something, something I've heard horror stories about is people have lost total rights to their books because they signed contracts they didn't read, they didn't understand them, and the problem is you know, you're you, you're screwed. You can't get your rights back. You're going to have to get a lawyer to get your rights back. Versus you've got a contract with a traditional publisher, an independent publisher, and it's going to be a fairly standard contract with you know clearly stated you, you never sign away your rights ever. Even in, you know, my books, I, I own my books. I own the rights to my books. My publishers have contracted with me to publish under certain conditions and in certain formats my books. Like, usually the most common one is they contract the English worldwide e-format book rights and the, um, the paperback rights. Usually it's print on demand. Sometimes they specify, you know, print on demand or, you know, perfect bound, but usually they don't even specify hardcover. So technically, I could go out and print them up in hardcover myself if I wanted to or I could have them translated in Spanish if I wanted to or whatever and and reprint them myself at my own cost. I could do that you know they pay for the i s b n number they do the cover art they provide that most of them do ever- you know the, well one of mine does advertising for me my others don't i I have to co-op and you know spend money to help with advertising, but one of my um publishers does all advertising or they don't ask me for a dime for advertising. So basically I have to do the writing, which to me is the easiest part of a book. I have to run through the edit process with my editors and I have to promote myself. Versus if you are self-publishing, you're doing it all. You have to do writing, editing, formatting, publishing, distribution, promotion, all the bookkeeping for it and everything, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. So, you know, again, You know, you have to weigh the pros and the cons. And don't think, you know, don't let your impatience to get published, you know, take that, you know, look, if you're you're basically, okay, ask yourself why you want to be self-published. If it's because I want my book out now, that's not a good reason. That is the worst reason. That means you probably shouldn't be self-publishing at all. If that's the reason you need to do run the um, the gauntlet of the small independent publishers out there and see if you can find a publisher that's a good fit for your book. Now, if you're constantly getting – here's the other flip side of the coin, and I'm not trying to be cruel because I'm not trying to discourage writers. So if you've got a lot of, of publishers out there going, yeah, no, yeah, no, uh-uh, no, thanks, but no thanks. You need to get signed up with a critique group, maybe even a different critique group than the one you got now. And you need to go in and – have, you know, get an honest critique and don't get defensive. Get an honest critique about your book. Oh, Margarita, hush. I'm going to, sorry, folks, I'm going to put the bird in the bathroom for the next week's show. Or the, not next week's show, but the next show. Um, the bird's mad because I'm talking. Um, you know, you, you need to, where was I talking about? Um, <laughs> you know, you need to run the gauntlet, the publishers, but you need to also take an honest look at your book. Maybe it needs more work. You know, and that's not a bad thing. That is not a bad thing for you to say, okay, you know what? maybe I need to make some improvements. It doesn't mean you give up. It means you take another look at your work and you go through and you make more edits. That's part of being a writer. That's part of the learning process. That's what you do with anything. You know, if, if you know, Van Gogh or Michelangelo, the first painting they ever painted, somebody told them they sucked and they just gave up and quit, well, what would we have hanging in our museum? You know, that's this is not something that's that's exclusive to writing. I mean, every field out there, you know, has failures you have to keep trying so <laughs> yeah chili birdie so yeah i need i need a valium for my bird is what i need um yeah. You know, so, so you don't want to just give up so i need to start winding this up here because we got like three minutes left um oh actually no we've only got one minute remaining according to my uh my switchboard here so uh remember this is uh orlingus the timber dalton on Blog Talk Radio. Intelligent but dirty. You can find me at timberdalton at uh, gmail.com, dot com. Timber with a Y, that's my email address. Or Timberdalton.com or Timberdalton at gmail dot com. dot com is my website. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter. I'm on Twitter is Mad Mumbler, M A D M U M B L E R. Um, you can find me there. Um so uh you know <laughs> My husband just came out to look at the bird. So, um, you know, remember you can always download the show. It takes a few minutes after the show's ended. You can download it, listen to it again at your leisure. Um, that's free. If you can't miss a, uh, can't hear a live show, you can come back and catch it later. You know, again. But we do have a live chat room. Yes, Jillian, you trip me up. It's not hard to trip me up because I have the bird. So that's that's not hard to do at all. So, um, thanks for listening tonight. And I'm sorry I didn't even get to all everything I wanted to talk about tonight, which is fine. That means I have another show. Woo-hoo. Um, so make sure that you uh, you know join me I think my next scheduled show is for January 13th and I don't think I have a guest scheduled for that one yet but we'll talk about something maybe I can get Mr. Blackie hello Mr. Blackie Um, maybe I can get Mr. Blackie to uh, call in he keeps joking that he's going to try to have me do a show where I'm you know tied up and see if I can talk while I'm tied up and hubby likes that idea so (laughs) yeah go back and listen to the BDSM topic show and you'll see what I'm talking about um thanks for joining me tonight you guys yeah you can tell i'm really tired um i appreciate you no it's not your fault michael Uh, i had fun talking i'm glad you called in Uh, um thanks for listening to me tonight guys um appreciate it have a good one and i'll see you here next time so long